Here's something I want us to consider uh, this afternoon, if we have not already. Maybe you have or you haven't. But do you realize that whenever you are kind to someone or whenever you show kindness to someone, there's actually something very spiritual that is happening? I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but when you are kind to someone, something spiritual is happening. Have you ever considered that? Because clearly kindness, there, there has to be something spiritual about it because it wouldn't be listed as a fruit of the Spirit. Kindness is something that is, that is birthed out of the Spirit. It is something that is birthed out of us. And so uh, we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And, and, and let me just say, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, as we've been talking about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on, I want us to understand that when we talk about the fruit, we're, we're talking about the characteristics of the life of a follower of Jesus. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a professed follower of Jesus, a professed Christian, then, then, then somewhere in your life, these characteristics have to be put on display. They have to be put on display. They have to be shown to our world. Because these are characteristics of, of who we are as Christ followers. And so when we talk about kindness, let's just not put it off as, as just a moral or good behavior. Let's, let's start seeing kindness as something spiritual. That something spiritual happens when you are kind. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to make sure that we're all on the same page when we talk about kindness. And so what, what I want to give us this morning is just a, a, a general definition of the word kindness. Just so we all know what kindness means. A general definition of the word kindness. Kindness means the quality of being friendly generous and considerate. Kindness is simply the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. And so if you consider yourself a kind person, then ask yourself the question, am I friendly? Am I generous? Am I considerate of other people? And so now that I've just kind of laid that really uh, quick foundation, just to make sure we're all on the same page, because I want us to get a clear understanding of what being kind is, a clear understanding of what kindness is. And so now that we've got that definition clear, let's see what Jesus has to say on this subject, because this Jesus uh, so vividly uh, illustrates kindness. He so vividly illustrates what kindness is, what being friendly is, what being generous and and, and consider it is. And he does this so well in a very uh, famous passage, a very famous story that he tells. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, we all or may not be uh, familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan, but if you're not, turn with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 25, so we can look at this all together, because I want us to see what Jesus thinks about Kindness. I want us to see what Jesus thinks about this particular fruit of the Spirit. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. If you're there, say, I've got it. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 says this. 
On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, and so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. And so again, and we've heard this in previous messages before, but these religious experts, these religious experts in the law want to test Jesus. And so in this particular passage, this religious expert comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what does it take for me to get into heaven? What does it take for me to have eternal life? And so Jesus, knowing who he was, well, basically said, since you're uh, an expert in the law, what does the law say? How do you read it? How do you interpret it? And so this man says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus was like, ding, ding, you got it. That's right. You got it. That's what it is. If you do that, you're set. You're good. But then the man wasn't satisfied with that. And so he comes back with Jesus and says, well, then, who's my neighbor? And so what this man was wanting what he was wanting was Jesus, he wanted Jesus to give him a list. He wanted Jesus to give him some criteria. Because see, if Jesus gave him a list of who his neighbor was, if Jesus gave him some sort of criteria as to who was his neighbor, then, then this man uh, could justify himself in being selective on who to be neighborly to. This man wanted to be selective on who to show kindness to. He wanted to be selective on who to be friendly, generous, and considerate of. Do they look like me? Do they talk like me? Do they think like me? Do they believe like me? 
Do they worship like me? Do they vote like me? See, if Jesus gave him a list, then, then the man could just check off the list and say, okay, well then it's going gonna, it's gonna to eliminate some people I have to be kind to. But Jesus doesn't give him a list. He doesn't give him any criteria. Instead, Jesus goes into a story. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was this religious expert, I'd be super aggravated with Jesus. Like, Jesus, I didn't ask for all that. I just asked who's my neighbor. But Jesus knew what was up. He knew what was going down. And so Jesus goes into story mode. And he says, there was a man that was traveling from Jericho to Jerusalem. And so this man was, was walking down this road. Now, that, that, that type of journey would have probably been about 17, 18 miles or so. And, and, and many believe that it, it's that type of journey down that particular road that he was taking that is kind of a dangerous road. It is kind of a sketchy road. And so, and so this man takes this trek down uh, uh, to Jerusalem, I mean, down to Jericho. And so on his way there, he has a few encounters. Now, what this story does and how it relates to us is that it reveals to us the church. It reveals to us three ways that we see people. Three ways that we see people. And so Jesus goes on with the story and said this man was making this journey from Jerusalem to Jericho and on his way there some robbers came. They came and they stripped him and they beat him and they left him on the side of the road half dead. And this reveals to us one way that we may see or treat somebody. And that way is this, sometimes we treat people solely as victims to exploit. Let me explain what I mean. Sometimes we only see people and we only desire to be kind to people or be in relationship with people solely based on what they can give me. Sometimes we take advantage of people. Sometimes we only get in relationship with people solely based on, on that they have something that you want. And how can this person meet my need? Because if that person can't meet my need, then there's really no reason to be in relationship. And so that's how we treat people sometimes. We, we see them just like victims. We see them as people to exploit, people to take advantage of. I don't know about you, but I've been guilty of that in my lifetime. I've been guilty of taking people for what they're worth and leaving them off the side of the road. That's in friendships, that's in relationships. Sometimes we can even do that in marriage. I can't tell you the number of times that I've talked with people in regards to their marriage, people who are divorced or people who have gone through divorce or gone through different things. And sometimes we've been in counseling sessions with some of these folks. And, and here's the one thing that I always hear some of them say. They say things like this. Well, well, Chris, we, 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 we just fell out of love. We just don't love each other anymore. And so we just don't feel the same about each other. And so we fell out of love. And so that's why we felt like it was time to call it quits. But how I interpret that is, 
Your spouse was no longer meeting your needs. Your spouse no longer had what you wanted. And so because your spouse no longer have, has what you want, you decide to jump ship and let's move on to somebody else who can provide what I want and who can provide what I need. Because some people get into relationships solely based on what they can give you. You have something that I want, and so we treat people like victims to exploit. And sadly, that's even within the church at times, too. Sadly, we've treated and seen people like victims to exploit. Sadly, we've used people, even within the church, to gain something, to get something. And so these robbers, they beat this man and they left him on the side of the road half dead. And then the second way that is revealed in how we see and treat people is that sometimes we see, see people as merely just a problem to avoid. Merely a problem to avoid. And so, and so Jesus tells us, tells us this man's left half dead on the side of the road He's beaten, he's bloodied, but never fear, a priest is here. The priest is making his trek down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And so if we can put it kind of in our context, the pastor is on his way home. And as this pastor is leaving Jerusalem, as he's leaving, maybe he was coming from a prayer meeting, maybe he was coming, well, we, whatever it was, let's just say he was coming from a conference Let's say he was coming from a prophetic conference, a prayer conference, and he's on his way home. And on his way home, the pastor sees a man in need, and he sees the man beaten. He sees him all bloodied. He sees him left for dead on the side of the road. Now, I don't know what this pastor was thinking. Maybe this pastor felt like he fulfilled all his religious obligations back in Jerusalem. God is pleased with me. I've done all that I could do. I, I went to the conference. I went to the prayer session. I did all these different things. And now he's on his way, and he sees this man in need, and he's thinking, man, maybe I, you know, I've already fulfilled my religious obligations. Or maybe the pastor was afraid for his own life. Maybe he thought, well, what if these guys are still around? They might do the same to me. Or what if he just didn't want to get dirty? What if he just didn't have the time? What if he was in a hurry on his way home? We don't know what he was thinking. All we know is that the pastor is coming down the road, sees a man in need, and Jesus tells us he goes to the other side and passes him by. The pastor sees the man in need and offers him some thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. You got needs? Thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. I'm praying for you, buddy. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And I'm going, I got somewhere to go. I got somewhere to be. And so the pastor passes the man by. All he saw was a problem to avoid. So the pastor is on his way down the road. 
But hey, here comes the Levite. Now, the Levite, they were, they were also leaders within the church that, that helped uh, within the church. They helped serve within the church. And so we would just, we'll just call him the worship pastor. So the pastor may have passed the man by, but here comes the worship pastor. And so the worship pastor is on his way home, maybe from the same prayer meeting. And he's on his way home. He's going down the road on his way to Jericho. And he, too, just like the pastor, sees the man beaten, left for dead on the side of the road. Maybe he, too, also thought that he's already fulfilled all his religious obligations. Maybe he, too, was afraid for his life. Maybe he didn't want to get dirty. Maybe he was in a hurry, had other things to do. Or, or maybe... Maybe he knew his pastor went on before him and realized, hey, if my pastor didn't help this guy out, then I guess I don't have to help this guy out. Maybe he was just following example. I don't know. But Jesus tells us that the worship pastor, he too, goes to the other side of the road and passes him by. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. See, sometimes we view people as mere problems to avoid. Sometimes we view people as, 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 as more so just, just, just aggravating us, as, as, as bothering us, and we don't, we don't want to mess with them, and we don't want to inconvenience ourselves, and, and man, we, I don't have the time to really deal and mess with you. I, I, I don't have the time to really meet your need. Maybe somebody else will come by and meet your need, but I, I don't have the time to do that. I'll pray for you, though. I'll text you and let you know I'm praying for you. I don't need to call anymore, but I'll text you. Right? I, 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 I just cringe at the thought of the number of times that I've seen people as mere problems. And because I saw them as problems, I kept on walking. I can't tell you the number of times I myself went to the other side of the road and kept on going. Because I didn't want to deal with these problems. And so the pastor, the worship pastor, don't help this man in need. And the third way that we may view and see people, which I would say is the ideal way that Jesus desires for us, but maybe instead of seeing people as mere victims to exploit or seeing people just as, as mere problems to avoid, maybe we can just start looking at people. Maybe we can see them as merely a person that needs to be loved. This person needs to be loved. This person needs my kindness. This person needs my friendship. This person needs my generosity. This person needs my consideration. And so Jesus says, but a Samaritan was coming down the road. Now, why is that a big deal? Well, chances are the man that was beaten on the side of the road was a Jew. And Jews and Samaritans did not get along. In fact, there was some racial tension between Jews and Samaritans. 
Jews actually considered Samaritans as unclean people due to uh, interracial marriages and such. And so there was, there, was, there was bad tension between these two groups. And so Jesus made it a point to let us know a Samaritan man is walking down the road. And what does he tell us? He says he came to where the man was, this Jewish man, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And Jesus says that he went and he bandaged his wounds. What does that mean for the Samaritan? That means the Samaritan, uh, he risked his own life possibly because chances are he may have thought, man, these, these folks are still around, so I got to hurry up and get this guy up. I don't even know if I'm safe. But he looked beyond his own safety. He got down to where this man was and he began to bandage up his wounds. He began to, to administer healing to this man which means he was getting dirty, getting blood in his garments. But then he also says that he, he picked the man up and put him on his own donkey. Remember, this man was left for half dead. That's dead weight. So now he's basically carrying this man and putting him on a donkey, exhorting his own strength and energy to help somebody else. And he takes him to a hotel. And he stays with him through the night just to make sure he's okay. Make sure his wounds are bandaged properly. Make sure he's clean. He makes sure that he's good and that he's comfortable. And when this man, the Samaritan can stay no more, he leaves him at the hotel, tells the hotel manager, hey, look, I'm leaving, but let him stay as long as he needs to. And I promise you, I'll come back through here and pay you up for the rest of the nights he stays. But a person to be loved. The thing that the religious leaders got wrong, a Samaritan man clearly got right. A Samaritan man that was willing to look beyond race and ethnicity and whatever type of background that may have separated them. He was willing to look beyond all that. He didn't need a list or a criteria to go through before he could decide who needed his help. This Samaritan man wasn't selective on who needed his kindness in the moment. But maybe we just need to stop and just like this Samaritan man, begin to see people, all people, as people to be loved. Because here's the thing we've got to understand. And I'm so guilty of this, but there are moments in my life where I'm very selective on my kindness. Maybe I'm the only one here this morning. I don't know. But sometimes I'm selective on who, I be, who I'm kind to. Sometimes I'm selective on who I'm friendly to. Sometimes I'm selective on who I'm generous and who I'm considerate of. It's almost as if Jesus... In this story, gave us the list, but he didn't give us a list. But we must come to a place where we begin to see everybody as people to be loved, as people to be kind to. Genesis 1.26 says that man was made in the image and likeness of God. So what that means is, is that all humanity 
at some degree and level, we're all image bearers of God. Some don't know it yet. But humanity was made in the image of likeness of God. And so if, if we are image bearers of God, what gives us the right to be selective on who to show love and kindness to? People in here, we're all image bearers of God. People outside of these walls, we're image bearers of God. We've all been created to bear his image. That even means the people you disagree with. That even means the people you don't really care for too much. They're still image bearers. And so you may be here this morning and within your own self, being honest with yourself, saying, you know what, Chris, I don't know if I'm that kind, I'm, if I'm a person that shows much kindness to people. I don't know if I'm really a friendly person. I don't know if I'm really a generous or a considerate person. You may think you're a kind person, but if we ask those that are around you, they may tell us otherwise. But examine your own heart. And if you can be honest this morning, you say, you know what? I don't know if I'm a kind person. I don't really know if I'm a friendly person. What, what do I do to grow in that area of my life? How do I grow that fruit in my life? Let me just give us a few ways this morning that we can go with. And so if you are taking notes, which I hope you are, because I know you'll forget by 3 o'clock today. 2.45. Thank you for your honesty, Sergio. But I hope you're taking notes. Put it on your phone. Do whatever you need to do, because I want us all to be kind people. I want us to grow in our kindness and our compassion. And so the first thing that we can do, the first thing that we must do in order to become people who are kind and compassionate is the first thing we all must do. Number one, write this down. We all must see, you must see God's kindness toward you. You must see God's kindness toward you. Let me break that down. Romans chapter 2 Apostle Paul is talking about people who are judging other people. And I don't know about you, but I've been guilty of prejudging people. There are times that I've walked around in my own prejudice. But he talks about people judging other people, judging people for what they do or who they are, or what they're not, or just judging, 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 judging. And what he does is in addressing these people who are judging other people, he, he brings them back to the basics. He brings them back to reality and just to recognize, hey, you were once just like them. And in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, he goes on to say this. He's talking to church people now. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? Talking about God's kindness. Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's, what? His kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. What is he saying? What he's saying is this. God did not give you what you deserve. Are you following? God did not give you what you deserve deserved. You know what you deserved? To die. 
You deserve death. I deserve death. The Bible says that we were born with a sinful nature. And those that are of a sinful nature initially are are children of wrath. We deserve God's wrath. And so if we got what we deserved, we would be smashed. We could be crushed. We could be obliterated. God could do the Thanos snap and everybody just whoosh. We didn't get what we deserved. But instead, we got what we didn't deserve. We got Jesus. And so when he says, don't you realize that it's, that it's God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? What that means is us coming to the realization that I didn't get what I deserved. Instead, I got what I didn't deserve. I was living my life so foul, so wicked, so evil, and God had every right to smash me. God had every right to strike me. But it was his kindness towards us. It was his friendship towards us. It was his generosity towards us. It was his consideration of us that God withheld what we deserve and gave us what we didn't deserve, and he gave us grace. God has been so kind to me. God has been so kind to you. You knew and you know where your life was. You know the wicked things that you used to do. You know the sinful things that you used to get involved in. You knew the way your life was going. But yet the Bible says that yet while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so God shows kindness to us. And so if we start to see God's kindness towards us, if you start to see God's kindness towards you, it'll change your whole life. You'll treat people different. Because see, now you'll start being kind to people, not because they deserve it, but because God was kind to me. I'm kind to people, not necessarily because they deserve it. I love people, not necessarily because they deserve to be loved. But God showed kindness to me. God showed love to me. And who am I? Who am I not to show kindness to somebody else? Who am I not to see people as people to be loved? See God's kindness towards you. The second thing we got to do if we're going to grow in our compassion and in our kindness for one another, not only do we need to see God's kindness towards you, but you also got to open your eyes to the needs of others. You got to open your eyes to the needs of others. Verse 33 says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, see, when he saw him, he didn't just glance at him, he saw saw him. He looked intently at him. When he saw him, he had pity on him. In other words, he had compassion for him. 
See, when we start to see people as problems to avoid, sometimes we turn a blind eye to people's needs. I don't know about you, but there have been times where I've been guilty of tunnel vision. Anybody know what tunnel vision is? This is the only place I'm going. Whatever is here, whatever is there, I don't really care. If this person's in need here, I don't really see them. I got this place to go. If this person's in need here or want here, I don't really care. I got this place to go. And, and so we start to get tunnel vision where we start lo stop looking around. We start looking for, we stop looking for and seeing if there's people in need. I mean, there are times, and I'll be honest, I'm just putting myself out there. There are times where even if I see people maybe who are in need or maybe homeless people, there are times where I walk a little faster. Because I'm like, oh, man, here he comes. Here he comes. And I'm like, oh, keep walking, Chris, keep walking. Here he comes. He's going to ask me for some money. I know it. I know it. And I keep on walking. And there are times where I've just kind of walked a little faster, turned a corner, and I was gone just to avoid him. I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. But when we start to realize God's kindness towards us, our life will be different. Our life will be changed. And then we start recognizing the needs of others. I mean, look around the room today. I guarantee you there are needs even in this room today. There are people that have needs. There are people that have spiritual needs. There are people that have financial needs. There are people that have physical needs, whatever. They, we all have needs. And as the body of Christ and as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we're to be mindful of the needs of other people. We're not to be like the pastor or the worship pastor walking down the road to Jer Jericho, passing the man on the side of the road because we got other things to do or better things to do. But we need to open our eyes to the needs of others. And then finally, the final thing that we need to do, final thing that needs to happen if we are to be people of love and compassion and kindness is do something about it. We've got to do something about it. Jesus asks the man after he tells his story, he says, which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, well, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Just do it. Just be kind to people. Be friendly. Be generous. Be considerate. And let's just kind of put it out there. Sometimes, sometimes, the church can be filled with the most unkind people. And the reason why we can be filled with the most unkind people is because sometimes we're the ones that most feel entitled to things. But Jesus said, you go and do likewise. I don't have to explain anything else to you. What I just told you to do, to be the neighbor, you go and do it. You go and do it. You go and be friendly. You go and find your neighbor. You go and be kind. You go and view people as people to be loved. 
I don't need you to be selective on who to be kind to. I don't need you to be selective on who to be friendly and courteous and generous towards. I just need you to go be kind. I need you to go love people. I need you to be moved with compassion for people. That's what I need you to do. And so my question to us this morning is this. What kind of neighbor are you? What kind of neighbor are you? Are you kind? Are you kind? Do you show kindness? Are you a person that has recognized God's kindness towards you? Are you a person that, that opens their eyes to the needs of other people? Are you the person that when he sees something in need, he does something about it? Are you kind? What kind of neighbor are you? Because I could ask everybody in this room, and I'm closing with this. I could ask everybody in this room if you love God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I say, who here loves God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength? People's hands would go up. Yes, I love God. But if you love God, then ultimately we need to come to the understanding that we reflect our love for God through our love and kindness to other people. If you're not kind to people, you're not reflecting the love of God. If you're not friendly, if you're not generous, if you're not considerate, that's the reality that we all must face. So as believers, we need to move off the throne of entitlement. We need to change our thinking on being selective on who to be kind to and who deserves kindness and who doesn't deserve kindness. And we need to be followers of Jesus to say, Jesus, I recognize I didn't deserve you. I didn't deserve you. I did not deserve what you did on the cross. I did not deserve you dying for me. I did not deserve to be forgiven of my sin. I didn't deserve it. But you did it anyway. And God, because you show kindness to me, I make it my mission and my goal to be kind to other people. Because kindness is spiritual. Being nice to people, being kind to people, that's a spiritual thing. I think sometimes it gets drowned out by all the other supernatural things that we hear about being spiritual, but we forget that kindness in and of itself is spiritual. Meeting the needs of other people, that's spiritual. Being a good neighbor is spiritual. So what kind of neighbor are you? Let's stand to our feet.